836, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, we just got the text line set up. Um, so some people who texted in right when I first said it, thank you very much. It wasn't set up, so you need to text the word teacher again. If you didn't immediately get the link to the video, just text us the word teacher again. It's it's all set up, and lots of people are getting it. Um, 414-799-1620. It is an amazing cell phone video. We will talk about it in just a couple minutes as part of the three big things. But if you haven't seen it, wow. South Division High School. That was um, my late wife's alma mater. She went to South Division High School. Um, (laughs) It wasn't like that, I think, when she went there. All right. Uh, Three big things. And and actually, today is one of those days where the the difficulty in picking out which three things I wanted to start the program off with wasn't that there weren't things to choose from. It was where do you start? I, I will tell you. I have to leave the show at noon, turn it over to Sikfidi and Billstad. He'll take it up to our uh, coverage of the um, Brewers game as they try to win the rubber game against San Francisco. I could easily go to 2 o'clock. It is an amazing day. Let us get started. Big story number one. I swear, I th- when I first saw this story last evening, I thought it was a joke. I thought this, you know, you know the, the, the magazine, the newspaper, The Onion, um, that used to be out of Madison. I, I thought this was an onion parody. I did not believe that this was real, but it is real. ESPN, of course, the, the struggling now sports channel, which has over the years become to the extent that you interject politics into sports. It is a very liberal very, very liberal. The commentators they use in general are very liberal. When they start talking about various economic issues or social issues, they come to it from the, the liberal approach. Um, and in many times, I think that what they're doing is, again, political correctness run amok. But they have, they have topped themselves. All right. At ESPN, they have a young sportscaster. Um, he is Asian-American. His, he is Asian-American. His name is Robert Lee, L-E-E. Um, Lee is a common last name in general in this country, right? But Lee is a particularly common name in the Asian-American community for whatever reason. Lots of people who are Asian-American have the last name of Lee. This guy is one of the young sportscasters, and he typically does um, a, a number of what, what I would describe as sort of the, the B-list this games. He's not one of the guys. He's, he's young. He's up and coming. He's not one of the guys they put on, you know, the, the Ohio State-Michigan types of games. He generally does um, some of the, some of the, like the, the lesser sort of games. Um, he was scheduled to do a game featuring the University of Virginia. Um, the University of Virginia is, of course, in Charlottesville, Virginia, where all this um, uproar broke out last weekend. He was scheduled to do the call between an upcoming football game between the University of Virginia and the College of William & Mary. William & Mary is um, a small school based um, in Williamsburg, Virginia. My best friend um, met his wife there. They went to, he went to school there, um, undergraduate school there. So <clears throat> it's a football game. So one of the announcers on the game is Robert Lee. All right? 
It is the University of Virginia, which is based in Charlottesville. Well, last weekend, you had all the protests in Charlottesville over the Robert E. Lee, the statue of the general you know, in, in downtown Charlottesville that led to all the controversy and the unfortunate tragic death of the one woman and the, this ongoing debate we have been having that's now heated up about race in this country that has been going on and continues uh, to this day. All right, so the guy's name is Robert Lee. ESPN pulls him from the broadcast. Now, why does ESPN pull him from the broadcast? Here's what they say. We collectively made the decision with Robert to switch games as the tragic events in Charlottesville were unfolding simply because of the coincidence of his name. In that moment, it felt right to all parties. It's a shame that this is even a topic of conversation, and we regret that who calls play-by-play for a football game has become an issue. All right, let me translate. ESPN has decided to pull an announcer named Robert Lee from a scheduled broadcast and transfer him to another broadcast because they want to avoid offending idiots. ESPN thinks people are too stupid, (laughs) too stupid to understand that an announcer named Robert Lee, who happens to be Asian American, is not presumably the same person as the Civil War general who's been dead for, what, 140 or 150 years? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have I use the phrase political correctness run amok a lot on this program, and I guess I, I'm now sort of rethinking that because if you use that phrase too often, when you have real examples of political correctness run amok, it tends to just mute this. This is, without a doubt, one of the most idiotic decisions that I have ever heard a company, a business making. The idea that we have to pull this guy from this broadcast because he shares a name with a Confederate general. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did ESPN do the right thing? Or is this just another example of how just out of whack we have gotten in our society that an Asian American named Robert Lee is now too controversial to broadcast a football game in Charlottesville, Virginia? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear you cannot make this stuff up. Steve in De Pere. Steve, you're first. Good morning. Hey, Jeff, isn't that unbelievable? Yes. <laughs> I, I thought you know, it was a joke. I, I mean, I, I, was, I was reading this stuff, and I was getting the show ready, and I thought, look, I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to go in the air and say this, and it turns out to be some Internet hoax. It's not an Internet hoax. They did it. Yeah, my wife thought the same thing until I had videotaped and shot this morning. But this is, this is just ongoing with ESPN. I can't even watch it. I used to watch Mike and Mike every day and first take with Stephen, Stephen A. Smith. But over the last month, First of all, they had Jamel Hill, who's on the 6 o'clock Sports Center. She re- referred to police as modern-day slave. Right. Um, yeah, something like whatever, that. Yeah. Slave trappers or whatever. But And then, you know, they get 
hung up on they had a they broadcast a fantasy football draft on ESPN yes. last week. Right. And they had to retract all that because there were no black people in the audience and they were talking about <clears throat> Odell Beckham Jr. Right, well right. Modern day slave trade. I mean it's just crazy. It, it is. It's, and thanks for calling you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about that last week. Right. They have a fantasy football draft where people bid on players. And ESPN had to back off and apologize because even though some of the players that were being built a bid on were people like uh, Tom Brady, who happens to be white, because some of the players were black, oh, it was like a slave sale. And ESPN gives into this stuff. I mean, seriously, um, seriously, Robert Lee, <laughs> that that now because idiots because they feel either the politically correct the perpetually offended or the hopelessly stupid will assume that this is a guy with some tie to what the confederacy that he's now not allowed allowed to do a game in charlottesville i mean i don't know i don't know what the answer is other than to say seems to me everybody at espn that was responsible for making this decision their decision is we collectively made the decision with Robert. Okay, somewhere there is a we. Every single pinhead that made this decision should be gone, period. 414-799-1620. This is one of the most unbelievable stories that I have seen. Is it political correctness run amok? Is there anything that could justify ESPN's decision? We continue the conversation next. This is Big Thing Number 1. It's 845. This is Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. I swear you can't make this up on our text line. Um, let's see. Somebody sends in. NBC had a poll this morning. The results were 96% of the people thought it was ridiculous. Only 4% agreed with ESPN's decision. And those people were, I don't know, living under a rock somewhere. If you're just tuning in, I, I understand this sounds unbelievable. There's a young sportscaster at ESPN. He's been there for only about a year. He calls like the B and C list football games, you know, so they send him out to the games, colleges that nobody's ever heard about. His name is Robert Lee. He is a he is an Asian American. You know, that Lee is a common last name among Asian Americans. He's scheduled to call the game between William and Mary and Virginia. All right. University of Virginia, located in Charlottesville, controversy, oh, you know, eight or nine days ago over the Robert E. Lee statue. ESPN says we pulled him. We made the decision to switch games simply because of the coincidence of his name. In the moment, it felt right to all parties. It's a shame that this is even a topic of conversation. We regret that who calls play-by-play for a football game has become an issue. No, it's not who calls the football game. It's the stupid, politically correct decision that ESPN has made that now the fact that you've got an Asian-American in 2017 that has that shares a name with a Confederate war general can't do the broadcast because ESPN is worried about what the fallout this shows this you know there are people that made this decision and every single one of them has demonstrated that they don't have the sense that God gave a plant and they all I think should be gone 4147991620 um let's talk to Joanne in Greendale you're on 620 BTMJ good morning good morning Boy, you know, I think this country has gone completely crazy. 
<laughs> well, this is this is exhibit one. It's tough to argue your point. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. you know what? Anybody with the name Robert Robert Lee Thomas Jefferson, you better change your name because you're not politically correct. Well, yeah. How about the six million dollar man, Lee Majors? Well, we we can't show Lee Majors broadcasts yeah. on the Disney Channel because somebody Robert E. Lee was a major somewhere along the line. Maybe somebody might confuse that. You can't make this stuff up, Joanne. <laughs> This is insane. It, it's it, absolutely insane. It, it is. And thanks for call. Now, I mean, again, you're seeing one example of political correctness run amok after another. But this this permeates the mainstream media. And again, my big question is, who at ESPN was the we that made this decision with Robert to switch the game? Then they say he was okay with it. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I, I don't know. But can you imagine this conversation? You are an Asian-American named Bob Lee, Robert Lee, and you are told, uh, you know, I know you're scheduled to do this game, but we don't think we can send you to Charlottesville because, I don't know, somebody might confuse you with a dead Civil War general. Huh. I mean, can, I, I, you know, I mean, this is one of these things when I guess when your bosses tell you you're going to do it, you sort of look at them. But can you imagine having this conversation with anyone and ESPN? Then, well, we, we're sorry that this has become a controversy. We, you know, it's unfortunate. Well, it's unfortunate because you made it a controversy, for goodness sakes. These pinheaded, politically correct, obsessed people that are making decisions. And, and you wonder why. It is, and we're going to talk about this later on. You wonder why so many people don't trust the big networks, don't trust the the news they're getting, don't trust the media. It's because of decisions like this that treat everybody like they are idiots. I mean, there's no other way to say this. ESPN switches this guy off the job because they don't want to offend stupid people. And if you somehow make a connection between an Asian-American sportscaster in 2017 and Robert E. Lee, the Civil War general, I'm sorry, you are an idiot. I apologize for saying it, but ESPN must think you are an idiot as well. Dave and Racine. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Well, uh, this hypersensitivity is uh, nothing new. I mean, you had uh, the reporter who was fired because he used the term Gorilla, your G U E. Right, right. Gorilla, right. As it, right. It was, it was gorilla basketball or something gorilla like that. Tennis with the, gorilla the, tennis, Venus, right? Uh, uh, right, so, right. Either Serena or Venus, right? She plays, she plays gorilla, G U E R R I L L A, like Che Guevara was a gorilla. Yes, it and, was a gorilla uh, fighter. Yeah. And there was that case in at Whitewater with the. Uh, Head of the Black Student Union forced a uh, an apology from for your other to, words. Yep, yep, yeah, I know that. Up, yep. uh, having the facial, you know, being posting their spa trip. I mean, it was just like you know. I mean, maybe we need to pass out some testosterone patches around. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not that. It's just this obsession with political correctness that is. You're, you know, you're right. I had actually forgotten about the other the 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 controversy the the, the, the phrase gorilla tennis, which is. It's not G-O-R. It's not like gorillas in the mist. It is gorilla as in, hey, you know, you're one of the, the fighters. You're out in the jungle. You're a gorilla. You're using un, you're using the unconventional tactics. And that's right. The guy says uh, she, she plays gorilla tennis with G-U-E-R. Oh, my God, people are offended. You've got to apologize and all that sort of stuff. It's just nuts. We have gone around the bend on this particular issue. 
Um, it's just, and, and at what point in time do we say, you know, we have to wheel this entire thing back? And, of course, ESPN, well, we don't understand why it's a controversy. It's unfortunate this has become an issue. Well, it became an issue because you fools made it an issue by doing something like this. Andy in Sheboygan. Andy, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking hi, my call. Hi, Andy. I, I think you're missing the whole point. That I, it's, it's just a brilliant marketing idea by ESPN because you got everybody talking about it and yeah, but they're talking. Like- yeah, but they're talking about it in a bad way. They're talking about it because the ESPN's a bunch of politically correct morons. I mean, I, I yeah, they're talking about it, but yeah. it, <laughs> there's I, no I, such thing as bad PR when it comes to the entertainment industry. Yeah, uh, uh, see, Andy, I, I don't. I see. I, I've heard that. I, I know people say there's no such thing as bad publicity. That is said by people who've never had bad publicity. <laughs> that's, that's that's just it. And you you did modify it by saying the entertainment industry, but I, I mean ESPN looks. Awful, looks awful, and deserves to look awful by making a decision like this. So you're right, people are talking about it, but they're talking about it in the context of ESPN has gone around the bend. And a lot of people, and I'm getting texts from folks, are saying, okay, th- this is this is kind of the last straw. Yeah, we'll watch the live sporting events on ESPN, but we're not watching any of their commentary shows at all. ESPN is already struggling with all sorts of issues, and decisions like this don't make it any easier. All right, got to take a quick break. Big thing number two is coming up. Um, again, if you want this, it's one of these amazing videos. There's just no other way to describe it. Um, one week into the school year, a 16-year-old beats the you-know-what out of a teacher in a classroom at South Division High School while the other students sit around and giggle. Um, if you want to see the video, simply text the word TEACHER to 414-799-1620. We're going to discuss that in just a couple moments. It's 856. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 908. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. Big story number two. School has been in session approximately a week. At MPS, uh, not all MPS schools, but but most. All right, South Division High School, which used to be, and I say used to be a decent school, um, but it has gone downhill dramatically. Yesterday, there is an incident in a classroom, and, and there is the video that is there. I know a number of you have seen it either in the news reports. If you text me the word teacher, 414-799-1620, we'll, we'll send you the, the Channel 4 report that contains the video. But what happens, and we don't know from the video because MPS is not talking, we don't know what it was that led up to this altercation, but there is a teacher at the front of the classroom. And you see on the video a 16-year-old kid. By the way, they're wearing school uniforms. And I was in favor of school uniforms, but if anybody thought that school uniforms was going to stop these out-of-control thugs who show up at MPS schools from acting out in a bad way, well, okay, obviously the problem is much deeper than that. But anyhow, you have a student, and I use that term loosely, you have a 16-year-old thug who is in the front of the classroom, and, and there's no sound on this, but you can see him yelling at the teacher and the the teacher is kind of coming towards him with papers in his hand at one point in time then the kid pushes the teacher and then runs at him and starts pummeling him knocks him on the ground 
and you can hear then kids stand. Nobody goes to help the teacher. The kids sit and they're they're giggling. You can hear that that they're kind of giggling and they're chuckling that you have this sixteen year old punk who is on top of a teacher, arms flailing, punching him. This this is this is an MPS classroom yesterday. The teacher, um, thankfully, apparently um, did not sustain serious injuries, but you can see him, you know, being hit repeatedly about the head. At least he didn't sustain life-threatening injuries. The thug has been arrested, and the matter is going to be referred to the district attorney's office for charges. Now, this raises a whole series of of issues. Obviously, the 16-year-old thug should be in prison. Hopefully, the district attorney, if, if you decide to assault and beat and batter a, stu- a teacher at the age of 16, I think you get waived into adult court and you go to prison. Sorry, people don't like that. Oh, we're treat- this is mass incarceration. We're treating these young people too seriously. You're treating them like criminals. Yeah, he beat up a teacher. And I don't know what was said, but it's clearly, it's not a provoked attack. And by the way, lest anybody think that there's a racial element to this, um, the, the teacher is African-American, the young man is African-American. So this isn't, there doesn't appear to be this kind of racial component. You just have this out-of-control thug. And what is also troubling, of course, to me, is that you have a bunch of other students who sit around and watch the assault go by and don't do anything uh, about it. Again, I, I understand it's been a long time since I was in high school, but even with the worst of the worst in the high school I went to, the people, the, the handful of kids that you knew were destined to be in jail, I, first of all, I can't imagine any of them attacking a teacher in a classroom. And secondly, if any of them did, I know what would happen is that the majority of the class would run up and try to pull them off the teacher. In this particular case, the students watch, they video it, they giggle a little bit, but nobody goes to help the teacher. Now, MPS says, well, this is a police matter, and so we can't comment on that, at which point in time you go, well, what, what do you mean you can't comment on this? Yes, I understand it is a police matter, but at some point in time, you know, doesn't this demonstrate just how flat out unsafe schools are? And seriously, if a teacher can be assaulted like this, who in their right mind would send their student, their child to South Division High School if they wanted to learn? Because if this could happen to a teacher in a classroom, it certainly could happen to any kid that was there. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is disgraceful on a number of levels. Obviously, the 16-year-old punk who attacked the teacher is a disgrace. He needs to be in prison in my opinion. Number two, it is disgraceful to me that the kids sat around and watched this happen. Number three, all right, some of the parents are apparently, they're, they're upset. Well, we we couldn't believe this would happen. This is terrible. You know, it's all, it's, it's unsafe. Well, well, yeah, but what about the parents of all the kids that stood and watched this happen? What about the parents of the kid who did, engaged in the assault? The reality is you are not, as long as some of these high schools are nothing but holding centers for violent kids. 
I mean, you're not going to get any education. My heart breaks for the kids who really want to try to learn. And I can't imagine what it would be like to have to be a teacher in an environment like this where you're there, you're trained. What you want to do is you want to help kids learn. But on any given day, you are dealing with a bunch of antisocial time bombs that think nothing about attacking you. 414-799-1620. Text line is exploding. Jeff, I know a person who was a teacher for MPS. A student knocked her out cold, broke her nose, and uh, she had to have five root canals. All she did was tell students to go to their seats before she dismissed the class. By the way, MPS fired her. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The truth of the matter is, if we wonder why these schools, if we wonder why these schools are doing such a poor job of educating students nowadays, here's the deal. It is because, in many cases, the environment and the students are uneducatable. Yeah, that's a word. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Steve in Wauwatosa. Steve, good morning. Good morning. You know, I had to chime in on this. Uh, this happened, uh, a similar incident happened about 20 years ago at Unified in Racine uh, in a middle school where a couple of uh, girls attacked a teacher, and it became a, a big melee. And during the process, they tore her blouse and her bra and exposed her. And while all of the other kids were watching, everyone else was observing, here this teacher is assaulted. And how is she, how is the teacher ever to regain the focus, the concentration, the respect, yep. and, the, and the direction uh, to lead kids from that point forward, not only in that school, but in the school system itself? Oh, sure. Uh, these, these young people have, have completely lost any sense of right or wrong. It's not just wrong to be involved in a melee like that, but you have an you have an obligation to step in where wrong is being done. And those that don't have taken the side of the aggressor. That's just a, it's a history lesson yeah. from you know the Nazis to to all of the other aggressive actions we've seen in the world. You have an obligation to stop an aggressor. And uh, and well, they're, I mean, they're yeah, not dialed in on this. yeah, I mean, see, I guess, I mean, I don't even. I guess I, I appreciate the macro approach that you're taking, and, and, and yeah, but I mean, on a, on a more basic level, what kind of children are we raising? Not just the out-of-control thug who thinks it is okay to pummel a teacher, but but what about all the other kids in the classroom, not a single one of whom, at least on this video, you know, runs up and tries to pull the guy off the teacher. Instead, they just kind of said, oh, you know, look, so-and-so is, you know, whipping up on the teacher. I mean, what, what, you know, what does that say about every one of those kids that is in the classroom? And for those people who are, you know, entrusted and who, with going in and trying to educate these kids, I mean, I understand why teachers would just kind of throw up their hands and say, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, we went to college. We want to teach people. We want to teach them how to read and write. We want to prepare people for better lives. But instead, there are apparently some of these schools out there where all you're doing is kind of acting like jailers. In this particular case, it's like, all right, we've got these ticking time bombs. I think it's going to be interesting once it comes out what the kid's background is. Now, part of it is because he's a juvenile we don't you know we protect juveniles so we don't know if he's been in trouble before but my guess is you don't wake up one day and just decide that this is going to be the day that I beat up a teacher in a classroom my guess is that there have been other incidents but 
my goodness gracious, where are you going to go? And and for people who think, oh, you're criticized, you're too tough on the public schools, you're too tough on MPS. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, um, truth of the matter is, how, you know, how, how would you, why would you send a kid to, you know, schools why would you send a kid to a school where something like this is going to end up happening? Um, 414-799-1620. It's 918. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 921, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. As the downtown renaissance continues, our friends at the Milwaukee Business Journal are taking a closer look at the boom this Friday morning. They're hosting a special panel discussion with some of the area's biggest movers and shakers, and you're invited. For more information on their event, The Business of Growing Milwaukee, just head to milwaukeebusinessjournal.com and click on their events tab. Um, As you might expect, our text line is exploding. Here's one. Jeff. My wife is a first-grade teacher in MPS on the north side of Milwaukee. This stuff happens on an almost daily basis. You should spend a day in one of those classes and see how out of control the kids are. And they are in first grade. No support from administrators. Teachers cannot protect themselves. They are at the mercy of these students. Retirement cannot come quickly enough. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, Vincent. Uh, I like your uh, email. The fact is this happens far too often, uh, teachers being assaulted in, in many different ways. And and the policy of, of, of MPS kind of fosters this because the fact is that they don't suspend or right. expel these students because they, they you know they don't want it on their record. Right. And so, so you continue to have these students continue to stay in class. <laughs> by, by their record, you mean they don't want it on the kids' record that they've been acting up in well, class? This, well, well, also on theirs that, that when they come yes. out every year, they say, well, they, right. they, they, so many kids weren't suspended. and then it's, Right, yeah, we, we want to pretend that there's not a problem. It's kind right. of like the stores that don't report shop, that don't call, they catch shoplifters, they don't call it into the police because they don't want the people to get the public idea that there's a lot of shoplifting going on, so they just sweep it under the rug. Exactly. You're saying MPS does the same thing. Got it, yeah. Exactly. And so, and and so, 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 so the teachers are at the mercy of these students, and so they, they and 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 and, and if, if the public doesn't know about this, then you don't get a public outrage, and so, but but uh, that, this is outrageous, and then then students uh, uh, sitting there laughing, yeah, you know, just 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 shows the mentality that's uh, that's that's running through through these uh, through these public schools. Well, you know, what what breaks my heart, Vince, and I mean this sincerely, and I have a text to this point. What about the kids that want to learn? You know, wh- where can they go for that? I mean, what about however many kids that were in the classroom who really, you know, wanted to learn whatever the lesson plan was that day? I mean, can you imagine what it's like for them? Because you know, you know that these disruptions, I mean, maybe it's not an assault on a teacher on any given day, but you know it's all this out-of-control behavior. And what about the kids that want to learn? They don't have an opportunity because of all the, I, I don't know, oh, yeah, chaos. Yeah. And, and, and so Milwaukee Public Schools, the, 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 the administrators need to step up and decide, hey, they need to remove these kids from the classroom because right. You, you're right. It, it, the, the ones who want to learn are suffering. Yeah, no, thanks. For that. And that's and see, that's that's the the issue that, that's there. And I, I think Vincent does make a point. MPS very, very obsessed with political correctness. The, the schools don't want to show up on the lists of, you know, disciplinary actions 
Um, there is, again, there's this element that you have when, when schools have large numbers of suspensions. Um, people tend to racialize that as well. That's just the reality of it. So it's, look, you're suspending X number of kids and they are of a certain race or ethnicity or what, whatever. And, and so we, we can't do that. So th- that's, that is the type of philosophy that leads to kids thinking that they can attack teachers i mean it's just and then so finally then you have an incident like this that gets caught on video and and then it um you know people start talking about it but yeah more and more and i'm getting a ton of texts on this say that this is not necessarily an atypical sort of situation i mean these are things that you know happen on a regular basis um all right number of texters are saying well the students sadly didn't come to the teacher's defense because of possible repercussions uh they would become the next target yeah i mean you know maybe maybe that's an issue too but but also if you listen to the video at least i'm hearing some of the kids just giggling about it i i don't know if it's fear of repercussions or it's just oh out there he look look at so and so he you know he he's beaten on the on the teacher joan in the o show joan you're on 620 wtmj good morning good morning I was a school bus driver, and uh, here's a, a girl following what her mother did. Um, the, I got off uh, the ramp, past the ramp, or I should have because of the traffic, right. and the girl was complaining. So I parked the bus, and I just told her I couldn't get off where I should have because of the traffic. And uh, so she came at, she came at me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, no, she didn't come at me that day. The mother came at me the next morning, tore my glasses off my face. Because you, okay. you weren't, you couldn't drop her off exactly where the mother wanted you to drop her off. No, it wasn't that. I didn't get off the right ramp. Okay, got it. Because of the traffic. Okay, so then sometime later, uh, I was still ahead of the school, and I picked the, her, I was to pick the uh, kids up in the evening. And the girl had the window way down. She was yelling at her friends. And I, I got up and I said, before I moved the bus, I said, pull the window up. And at that, the girl came at me, like her mother had come at me. And she backed me up. She had me down on the bus seat. And uh, all of a sudden, the monitor outside is yelling, what's going on? You know, I said, well, this girl almost got my boot in her belly because right. she's uh, got me down on the seat. Well, I was taken off the route, which was all right with me. But that girl, the girl and her mother, were right. both out of hand. How, how old How old do you say the girl was? About 15. 15. And then also there was a boy on the bus that was, uh, yeah. that was trying to attract the girl. And I asked to have him taken off the bus. Uh, because they were, you know, raising... Right, right. No, you, right. no, John, i got to let you go, I'm kind of up against the clock. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get the whole thing. I mean, I, I understand this, and you try to, you try to provide discipline, um, and you're going to be the bad guy. Jim says on our text line, my ex was a teacher's aide at Hamilton High. Now, this was about 15 years ago. Things um, that she would tell me were insane. Boy got beat so bad, he was bleeding from his ears, his spleen was ruptured, and they were told to call, to call his parents, not 911. They didn't want it on. On the record, they were told not to call 911. Can't imagine how it is nowadays. Well, you know how it is nowadays. It is flat out out of control, and apparently people are more concerned with, well, we, we don't want this on the record. We don't want people to get the perception that the schools are dangerous, even if the reality is that the schools are dangerous. Hmm. 928, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.
It's 937, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So BD, who is producing the show today and always, here, here, here's the life of like a, a radio personality in Milwaukee. So I get off the air yesterday. Um, I spend about an hour on the phone, actually, with, with Brian Wickert from, from Acunet Mortgage. We were talking through a couple couple things I was thinking about doing. And then um, I'm, I'm getting married, you know, and I'm about a month or so. And I've had some wedding stuff to do. So I was running around, checking off little things off my list, taking care of some wedding stuff. And I stopped off. I had a late lunch, early dinner. And then get home, and I'm kind of puttering around the house. And... Um, one of I'm a night owl, so I mean I'm up till like eleven thirty, twelve, sometimes later, and I'm getting up at five. So a lot of times, I, I just what happens is late in the afternoon. I I would say I take a nap, but actually what's true, what happens is I pass out. I just <laughs> lay down on the couch and I'm unconscious for like an hour and a half or something until the, the my dog Sasha kind of like barks that she's got to go out. So so that's what happened. About five o'clock last night, I'm 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 home. I've been doing all this stuff. I'm trying to do some work, and it's just. Let me just close my eyes. Next thing I know, it's Sasha's barking. It's about 7.15. So I kind of get up. All right. So uh, my, my evening, of course, then I'm going to be awake again until midnight or whatever. So my evening, here was my plan. I, I was going to 9 o'clock last night. Um, I was going to bounce back and forth. You had the Brewers playing San Francisco. So I wanted to watch the ball game. And um, HBO has this thing, this show called Hard Knocks, which is – but what they do is they, they go into a training camp of a football team, um, and they do a documentary for five weeks during training camp. This year, uh, Tampa Bay is the team, and they're, they're three weeks into it, and the show's premiere on Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, I want to kind of get a lot of the stuff out of the way, and so then I want to watch – I'm going to watch – the ball game, and I'm going to watch Hard Knocks. That, that's kind of the plan. I'm going to channel surf back and forth between the two of them. Well, right around that time, um, my, my phone goes off, and I get one of these text alerts that we send out at WTMJ saying, President Trump's rally in Phoenix is about to start. So now I want to confess to you, a lot of times when there's these speeches and things, a lot of times I, I don't watch them all. What, what I will do is, because it's just, it's, it's my own time, I just want to relax, I, I, it, but what I'll do is, you know, you, I'll, I'll go back and then if, if there's something interesting that's come out of them, I'll go back and I'll, I'll watch those segments before I do the show or whatever. But last night, I thought, okay, there's been much made about this. I'm going to check th- this out. So I turn it on, and, and I have a confession to make. I was mesmerized. I want, for, forget the ball game. Forget Hard Knocks. They show that a million times. I, I watched that, that rally. You know, and he's, he's in Phoenix. He goes, this is the president, for about an hour and a half. I don't, he wasn't using a teleprompter. He may have been using some notes, but you, you couldn't necessarily tell. And it was, and I'm going to use the word amazing. I have been struggling to try to come up with a descriptive word for it. It was... It was Donald Trump at either his finest or at it's either his finest or at his worst. Okay, um, well, I'll tell you what, let's just do this right now. Nine forty four, Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. I did not intend to watch the, the Trump rally. I, I admit I've never I have been either involved in or following politics for decades. I have never seen anything like that last night conducted by a sitting president. Here, he, he starts off 
by by going on this this rampage. I mean, this rampage against the media. You know, he says Fox News does okay, but everything else is awful. He's talking about how terrible CNN is and fake news, and he's talking about how they, they've got cameras there. They're turning them off. They don't want me to say this. They don't want you to know about it. He, he goes through, you know, the way he was covered for the stuff he said in Charlottesville. He goes on on the attack on on various things. Most times, I have found people who are really rich, they, they don't talk about how much money they have. That the president at one point in time he says, "Well, they're, they're the media elites." I don't think they're so elite. I live in a lot more expensive place. You know, it's like, oh, that, that's just not something you you typically hear people say. And, and then he just kind of goes on and on. He attacks the two Republican senators from Arizona. Doesn't mention their names, but he's referring. You know, he's you can tell who he's referring to. He says, "People told me not to do this," and it, it's kind of like one thing after another. Now the crowd inside the the arena is eating it up with, with a spoon. I mean, I, I was trying to think of how to describe it today, if you didn't see it. I mean, it was, it was alternatively, it was angry, it was defensive, he was playing the victim card at points, it was boastful, it was bullying, it was, I just, it was all these things rolled into one, and, and clearly... It's it's a speech. It's a presentation unlike anything that any president has ever done before, and it, it was it was part it was part carnival barker. It was part tent revival. It was just it was just amazing. And I'm not saying that in a good way necessarily. I've never seen anything like this. It was certainly not a unifying type of speech. You know, if if you thought. You needed to bring the country together, and you wanted to be the the president that did that. It it wasn't that kind of of speech. So then afterwards, now I'm I'm just riveted. This goes on for an hour and a half, and now I'm riveted. So I decide to do something I almost never do. I turn on CNN, and CNN has Don Lemon, who's a big time lefty, and they've got a panel that is. They're political reporters, five of the six of whom are lefties, and one is kind of this Republican who is kind of outnumbered, doesn't know what to say. And, and they're just appalled. They're standing there with their mouths open. We've never seen anything like this. Two or three, the, one of the themes is, the, I, I, the, I think he might be unfit for office. Maybe we. this is where we need to have the 25th Amendment that comes in. 25th Amendment says if the president is incapacitated, he can be removed, that that type of stuff. They're, they're talking about that. They're saying this is the worst thing that they have ever seen. Um, and, and again, I just, I was I was speechless, seriously. Okay, I want to open up our phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. If you watched some or all of that rally last night, I am legitimately curious as to your reaction. Was that the type of presentation that the president needed to give to, to save his presidency, was it the appropriate tone? I mean, it was it was a campaign rally on, on steroids. I mean, at one point in time, he he's talking about the, this Arizona sheriff who's, you know, in, in trouble with the law. And, and he didn't come out and say he would pardon him, but he kind of implied that he was going to pardon the guy. It was it was unlike anything that I have ever seen, certainly any president in my lifetime give. And and I I'm curious as to your reaction to this. Candidly, 
I don't think that that was what the country needed at this point in, in time. I understand it was an appeal to his base, but the base is, is shrinking. And if you're going to have a successful presidency and you're going to be a leader, you need to figure out a way to bring more than the, I don't know, 35% of people or 32% or whatever who still support you over. But I, I don't think President Trump is capable of of doing that. And then the reaction, like I say, from the talking heads who are just appalled that he would call them out, that was kind of equally as over the top. But I've never seen anything like that. 414-799-1620. If you watched it, what was your reaction to it? Let's start with John in Genoa City. John, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, good morning, man. I love listening to you every morning. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, I'm out here. I've been driving truck for 38, just about 38 years, you know, and and the thing I like about Trump is that he really is, he's not a politician. He's just a guy. Uh, he, he's very successful. He's very wealthy, yes, but he just comes across like a guy, you know, and he just tells you what he thinks. And, you know, me personally, I don't think the guy's a racist. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even think he's a bad person. I just think, I just think he wants to get things done for our country. And I don't, you know, and he doesn't understand why people aren't you know, like the Republicans working with him to get things done. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of he's kind of like me. I think I'd feel the same way. I'd be like, "Hey, mm-hmm. what's wrong with all you people?" So you you kind not of working with me. So you kind of you you sort of relate to this, and you think this is the kind of speech that you think this resonates, and this is, oh, is the type of thing yes, that the president sir. should give. Oh yes, sir. I, listen, I talk. I'm working construction. I just loaded my third load of dirt out here, and I'm heading out with it now as I'm talking to you, and. uh these these construction workers here, I, you know, I've been working with them. Uh-huh. There's nobody here that's against Trump. Everybody that I work with, they all say the same thing. You know, people need to give him a chance, give him his four years, work with him, see what he can get done. That's how the guys that I work with, and believe me, there's, there were guys here that, uh, that work for DK Contractors where I work that voted for Obama, and, you know, and there was disagreement among some of us about all that, but... You know, and, and the job he did. But I'll tell you what, there's nobody here that's against Trump in my company. Everybody, okay. all Good. the guys I work with, you know. Good enough, John. Thanks for calling. and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. And, that, and, and I'm, I'm going to take some calls like that because I know it, it is, you know, it, it's interesting to do what I do for a living because I have had what I consider to be a nuanced view on President Trump in that I'm, I'm not in the, I hate Trump. And whenever we talk about President Trump, I get all these emails, oh, 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 you know, we, we, we hate Trump, we hate Trump. How can you say anything good about him? And then, of course, if you criticize him, I hear from the other side, oh, go work for MSNBC, you're a liberal, and those type of things. And, and me, it's like when he does stuff right, I'm going to say it. And when he does stuff wrong, I, but last night, I was almost speechless because I've never seen a president give that type of speech. When I'm watching CNN later, all the commentators are essentially saying, we think he's dangerous. We think he's unstable. We think we need to do whatever we can to get him out of here because he's got his hands on the nuclear codes and he's going to destroy the country. Yet, obviously, inside that auditorium, people were eating it up with a spoon. 414-799-1620. 
Uh, let's see. Kate writes, it doesn't bother me. Um, it was out of the norm for a president to do, but that's what I voted for. I wanted different, and that's what he is. Yeah. All right, we continue the conversation. If you saw the speech, your reaction, um, like I say, heads were exploding all over the mainstream media last night. I'm curious how it played with you. It's 9.53. This is Jeff Wagner. 956, Jeff Wagner, 620, WPMJ, Scott in Wrightstown. Scott, good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Good. Jeff, I hope soon that you get this, man. I really do. And the rest of the DJs in Milwaukee and uh, all around the state, I mean, you know, I knew Donald Trump was going to get elected the first night, the first debate, because of the man he is. And he is going to be the man that's going to pull this country back out of what we're in right now. And if he don't, we're done. I mean, well, I guess that see some people. I mean, some people would argue, Scott, that and again, I, that his style, the the way he approaches stuff, the the attack dog mentality, the thin skinned nature, uh, a lot of the off the cuff stuff he says, gets in the way of whatever policy things he might accomplish and actually creates more divisions than it than it and it heals I, I don't know if i agree with that jeff i mean if somebody really irritates you or something you're going to tell them off you're going to tell them like it is you might get off course of what you actually started with but if somebody like me would come in and disrupt you and say hey jeff why are you even on the radio you're yeah. going to you're going to bite me back you're going to say hey well what's the reason why i'm not and so on and so forth but donald trump i'm going to say one thing and then i'll let the yeah. next one come on but Politics is politics, and until you've been a huge, I'm a, I'm a self, self-employed person myself, mm-hmm. but if you've been a huge self-employed businessman like Donald Trump, he not only knows the business world around the world, but he also knows politics that destroys the business, and people like that run the IRS and people that mm-hmm. run the Federal Reserve. I mean, this man knows all these people, and there's nobody going to fight for us more than he will. Well, I mean, I look at Mark Levin. Mark Levin hated this guy because his son-in-law, his future son-in-law, worked for Mr. Cruz. Right. That's why Mark Levin hated him, and now he's starting to love Donald Trump. I'm like, come on, get with the program. Okay, well, Scott, well, I guess here's my concern. And and you say, you know, like if you were coming and attacking me, well, no, trust me. I I have a handful of people who have this obsession. I mean, there's a couple people that you just get, on any given day, you get 10 or 15 nasty texts from these people who I get the idea that just have have no no life that's out there, you know, and and, and I I just ignore it. I mean, delete, 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 because what do I care? I mean, it's like, I, I don't care about it. No, I'm not going to engage it. Donald Trump is the leader of the free world, and some of the stuff he obsesses about, I, I think, I mean, it's the tweets. It's like, who cares? You, you won. Why would you spend any psychic time at all arguing about, okay, for example, how many people showed up at your inauguration? You won. Who cares? But it, it's that kind of thin skin stuff. Um, you know, yes, do, do you get mad? Does he get a fair shake in the media no he probably doesn't i'll be the first to concede that but at the same time you're you're the president um you typically expect to see people rise rise above that um 414-799-1620 tell you we're going to continue this for one more segment if you watched the rally last night um my, my question is a legitimate one 
did it, it, it was it was Trump on steroids. I mean, it was those campaign rallies you saw. It was that magnified. And like I say, a lot of and people who loved it loved it, and people who hated it are saying, "Well, we think he's unstable. We think he needs to be removed." How did you react? We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, it's nine fifty nine. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 10.09, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're just joining in, I, I, this is big thing number one. I did not intend to watch the, the Donald Trump campaign rally last night. Turned it on, and I, it, was, it was an hour and a half of I've never seen a president do, do this. I mean, it was something I've never seen in my lifetime. It was your typical campaign rally on, on steroids. It was attacking. It was defensive. It was thin-skinned. It was paranoid. Um, and the, the crowd just, just absolutely, it, it was Donald Trump at his best and his worst all, all in one. It was certainly not a unifying speech in any stretch of the imagination. Um, the crowd inside the arena ate it up. Afterwards, I turned on CNN and of course their, their heads literally were exploding. I mean, the, the argument, I, more than one was saying, oh, this guy is unstable. I mean, we, he's, we got to use the 25th Amendment. We have to remove him. Um, I'm curious how it played with you. Okay, let's uh, let's see. Mitch and Sturgeon Bay, let's take care of a couple texts here. Uh, Mr. Trump, we've seen your audacious style. We get it. Now, for God's sake, impress us with um, your substance. Um, let's see. Here's another text. Trump was in Arizona to send a message trying to take down two distinguished senators who didn't vote with him while offering up a pardon to a law-breaking supporter. This is who he is at his core, and it's time that Republican senators and congressmen put an end to this and throw him out on the street where he belongs. Okay. Uh, Kevin says, I think he actually may be trying to extend his message to everyone in the country and yelling from the top of the mountain is the only way. I believe he feels this can be accomplished. There's a lot of truth to the media never giving the public any sort of truth to his actual agenda. All right, Cliff and Appleton says, President Trump goes to those rallies where he knows his supporters expect that kind of speech, and they eat it up. But the reality is he is getting nothing done. He's dividing us more and more as a country. He's an embarrassment to um, the office. Huh. Um, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, let's go to um, Janet in Brookfield. Janet, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. What did you think of the speech last night, and, and where where the president's taking us? Well, to tell you the truth, I was horrified. Um, he offered nothing to do to unify it, people at all in this country, and I think so many families are so split, and friends are split, and, mm-hmm. com- and communities are split. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they need to be brought together somehow. And he he doesn't give a message to do that um it was not i i think love it or hate it i think everybody could agree it was not a unifying speech there's no question about that it it was a campaign speech with all the campaign themes um you know mainstream media lies and it's fake news and well um, i kind of agree with that but i also think that you know people have to recognize that journalists are educated people they're educated to do what they do to try to find the truth in news and to present it to the country. And I think the majority of them do that. I don't know whether it's CNN. I don't find them to be any different truthfully than ABC or CBS. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all are doing somewhat the same thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in exactly 
all of their uh, new reporters, but I, I basically think that, I mean, people have to recognize that journalists, whether they're on the radio or on the television or in the newspaper, that's their job, and it's their job to tell the people the truth in this country. And I think that's what they've always done in the past. And I of course, the problem that. is, I mean, when you say tell the truth, I mean, what, what President Trump would say is that they're, they're not telling the truth. They have a, a version yeah. of the, the truth, and that, that's the line that they tell. Um, okay, so, all right. Th- that's, the- that's his line. Right. But, yeah, right. but if you listen to last night... When he spoke about the, the things that he said on the weekend, he left out some of the yep. things he said, yep. so that people didn't get the whole truth. Yep, it was it was a it, it was in some cases a selective recounting. Exactly. Um, do, do you think the do you, do you think he is going to be a success as a president? Um, I, you know, I really don't know. Okay, I I really don't know. I know people who think, yeah, he will be, but I think that more and more who maybe even voted for him, people who, you know, expected more from him, are leaving him. Um, okay, all right, thanks. I live, I live in a very Republican area. Right, you're in Brookfield, yep. So I, I, I think that people, you know, people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about politics. Well, that, I mean, th- that, that, thanks for that. That is... Um that that is 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 true. Now I some people find this amazing, but when you know when, when I'm when I'm on my own time, I'll, I'll talk baseball. I, I don't I don't like to talk about politics either. People want to kind of engage me, but one of the things that I find is that there's all sorts of um, you know I, I mean there's all sorts. I mean I mean th- 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 we are we've been divided for years and years. Like this isn't anything new. This goes back. Um, you know, Bill Clinton was a very divisive president in his way. People were very, very divided over President Bush, especially, you know, over the war in Iraq moving forward. Um, Barack Obama was divisive in his own way. The style of Donald Trump is divisive on, on steroids, though. Let's talk to, um, let's see, let's talk to Mark in Mequon. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, thank you for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. I listened to part of the speech. It was typical Donald Trump. Donald Trump feels he's above the law, above the Constitution. He got gorgeous on the court, so he has that division. Right. He does not have Congress on his side, so he's picking on McConnell. Everything's his fault. Right, or, or Jeff Flake or John McCain. I mean, he went after John yeah. McCain yesterday, not by name, but I, you know, we needed yeah. one more vote, and you know, everybody knew who he's referring to. Sure. I really objected to when he said he'd rather shut down the government than not get the money for his wall. Uh, yeah, that that was, I, I, I'm i actually, the stock market, I was afraid the stock market would be doing worse. It's down, the Dow's down 70, NASDAQ's down 22. I was afraid that that comment might cause the market to tank today. You know, people think we're really going to shut down the government. Now, thankfully, it hasn't at least yet. But So you were troubled by the speech last night. Yeah, I mean, I it is what I expected. I mean, it's what you saw on the campaign trail. Yeah. I mean, you know, when he, he accused uh, Ted Cruz's father of being part of uh, yeah. Harvey Oswald. And, I mean, he, he does anything to glorify himself. He thinks he's above the law because Trump Industries has been above the law. He didn't pay taxes. Um, taxes are for you and me to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly me, and I'll, I'll take your word for it. No, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I, this is um, for, for for people, and this has been interesting, because I, I wasn't sure. I, I was legitimately curious, after he won the election, 
whether or not there would be a, a change, whether or not he would dial down a lot of the stuff that, that many of us, even as conservatives, the style stuff that we found off-putting. I, I mean, really, the I mean, during the campaign, attacking John McCain for example, I war heroes aren't people who get shot down. My God, the guy's a war hero. He served, you know, he, he was a prisoner of war for years. And the 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 desire to belittle people. I, I was hoping once he won, he got past that. Um, no, he, he's actually, and of course, the truth is, he's seventy-two years old. You, at that age, you're probably not going to have a sea change in your personality. So it is what it is. The question becomes, you know, is is that going to get in the way of of a successful presidency? We're going to continue this conversation for one more segment because I admit I, I, I'm I'm fascinated. I was just fascinated by by this. The production last night, and I've, I've never seen anything like it. I know I'm repeating myself, but I, I was almost speechless because it wasn't the type of thing that you expect a president to give, good or bad. It wasn't the type of thing you expect a president to give. It's 1021, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. They're done with two legs of their NL road trip. So how are the Brewers looking in the playoff race? Greg Matzik is joined by Tom Hardicourt of the Journal Sentinel at 8.07 this evening. Sports Central. Yeah, it's an early Brewers game this afternoon, 2 o'clock. Okay, Mitchell sends me an email. Contrast Mike Pence's genteel manner in the introduction to how Trump carried on Honestly, who is more presidential? Question, though, is, you know, what do people want? Let's see. One of our texts. Arizona was billed as a rally. That's what was delivered. Guess I shouldn't have expected a president to show up. Very disappointing. Um, Okay, let's see. Who's been waiting the longest? Dave and Rippon. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm with you, and I'm probably old enough to be your father, and I've never heard anything or expected to hear anything like this. But I'd like to go back to the beginning um, to raise a couple points that haven't sure. been raised. You, you mentioned early on that he was not using a teleprompter. Um, he did have a teleprompter, and he was on it and off it. He was certainly off it during <laughs> his Charlottesville discussion and his right. attacks on uh, McCain and Flake and, and also the press. But there were times when he he went back to it, and when he went back to it, he made sense. But um, he, he he lost everything, as far as I'm concerned, from what he had gained the night before. And I'm talking about how I feel and how I, I didn't vote for the man, but I try to give him credit. And uh, the night before, he seemed to make a lot of sense, but he stuck strictly to his teleprompter that night, had mm-hmm. a prepared speech. And I don't know if you noticed it, uh, Jeff, but during, during the speech, CNN... I, I switched channels, and they carried a banner across the bottom for many minutes that had to do with Charlottesville and the fact that he uh, had omitted the one statement. I right. wish I, I wish I. Did you see that? Well, I, I know I, I was watching CNN after, afterwards, and that's what they were, were talking about. Well, that's that, what they were talking about. Yes, but right. they said that was during the speech. Right during the speech, before the speech was over, they put up that banner right. and they just left it there and. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't think that omitting something is a lie. Omitting something's omitting something. But you know, right. the week before, um, the press had had omitted the the stuff about Antifa and stuff. I mean, they, you know, right. it was all one sided. I think oh. that was lost sided. And I faulted you a little bit last week when you jumped on him for, uh, you know, you, you support him at first, and then he made the stupid statement about. 
Right, the, the, thir- the third press con. I thought, right, the, yeah, the Saturday you know, and Monday where I thought he was fine, and then Tuesday yeah, where he has... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and I understand, and, and he absolutely misspoke, but and he, what he should have done is just come back and said, look, I misspoke, that's not what I meant at all, and and end of question, but he didn't. Instead, he puts on this 40-minute... <laughs> right. irate, which is just terrible. Right. No, I mean, it was the nice. No, and you, you know, you make an interesting point about. See, and if you didn't see it, I, I mean, he he clearly went off screen, and and he just lashed out at the mainstream media like like, like he does. And and I understand. Look, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you. And, and there's there's no question that there's. I mean, I've never seen a president covered like this. And of course, the you know the, the people at CNN or whatever they don't like being. They don't like being called out for their mistakes or their biases, so they then it just kind of ratchets all this up. And you're exactly right. There was I because I, I, a number of people said I did I didn't change the channels during the speech. I had it on Fox just because they they were they were showing it, and I, I didn't change to see the way it was being covered. You know until afterwards with the commentary. But yes, I, I'm told that's exactly right. You know when they have a presidential speech. You know, a lot there'll be the crawl that that goes underneath that, and it, it's CNN. Apparently, it was, again, very, very critical in the headlines because they don't like to be called out and told that they're biased. The Fox stuff was much more, much more neutral. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, August in Manitowoc. Thanks for waiting. It's 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm well. What did you think of the speech? Did you like it? Do you think Great. it was the best I'll, speech you had I'll to give? You, I, thought it was, I thought it was phenomenal, and you're right. It was Trump on steroids. <laughs> and... You know, uh, he has very strong beliefs, as we know, and we show that. And that is what we need as a leader, someone that, that has very strong beliefs when he sees wrong with the media and what they're doing and the message they're meant much of the media, what they're telling the public. He's got strong convictions, and when he sees something that's wrong, he's going to fight for what he believes in. And that is what the Trump voters sought in him, I believe. Mm-hmm. Do, and, you, do you think you know, there's occasions where he's his own worst enemy by the, the things he says or the tweets he sends out? You know, in some, there are some, uh, like, like I heard of the last caller saying, like there's certain ways he could have said something differently. Mm-hmm. I think with somebody with passion and conviction like he has, he doesn't hold back. He speaks his heart. And mm-hmm. so there are going to be times where he says things that could have been said differently. That's that's just the way okay. that that's human nature that happens. Uh, and, uh, yes, there are things. In it, but I think a lot of the media is focused on things, what he should have done, and that rather than focused on supporting our policemen, right. supporting our troops. You know, people are saying it wasn't unifying. He was talking about, constantly talking about that, that it doesn't matter what color you are, what religion you are, where you come from. This country is the United States of America. It should be unified, and we need to focus on that. And he talked about Foxconn. He talked about he did, yeah. uh, the stock market, employment getting better. There's a lot of things that are getting a lot better, and that's what we voted for. That's what we want. Um, okay, thanks for the call. I mean, again, I just, um, and I, I know what the, the point I, I make gets lost sometimes, but I mean, I, I do, to me, there's the Donald Trump 
there, there's the substance and there's the Donald Trump style. I admit I find the style to be off-putting. I, I, I just I, – I do. Um, I, I think – Again, when you're the leader of the free world, I think you have to be willing to let stuff go. And I understand that for uh, diehard Trump supporters, that, that that's kind of red meat. You know, we, we want to hear you attack this. We, we want this. You know, go after this person. Go. After. I understand that that's, that's red meat. I guess I just think that if you're the president of the United States, you, you, have, to, you have to talk to more than just your supporters. You have to figure out a way to kind of bring the country together. And I, I do think it was, I, again, maybe maybe it's the tone I am reacting to. Maybe it's the, you know, the asides that, that go off and, and that, that, you know, where he goes off script and, you know, you get the confusing messages and you get the lashing out. And I understand some people like that. He's punching back. I mean, I, I there were, when I was practicing law back in the day, there were a couple at the time prominent lawyers who were sort of like that. They were just, they remind, actually, I was thinking that this morning, one or two that were very, very aggressive and in your face. And, you know, they, in some respects, reminded me of Donald Trump. Um, very little impulse control, um, thin-skinned, all those type of things. And they were successful for a little while. And, and ultimately, people just got tired of the act. And they ended up self-destructing in, in in the cases of the attorneys I'm, I'm thinking of. They, they just kind of self-destructed. And I, I see some parallels with President Trump. I Again, it was, a, it was just... And I'm just going to leave it at this. It was one of the the oddest things I have ever seen. I found it to be mesmerizing, and I guess I just wonder where we go from here. It's in 1029, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Cannot get enough Leonard Skinner. All right. Here's the story. Fox 6 had it. And and it's just what, what some people don't realize is that if you are a small business person, you have a lot of choices as to where you can invest your money. Um, and and there, there's a number of factors that go into it. I mean, first of all, you got to decide what's my business. Is my business are, are people going to want what I'm selling? And then are people going to want what I'm selling in the location that I am choosing? And then what about the location? Is is it going to be a good location for me? Are am I, are my employees going to be able to get there? Are my employees going to be safe? What is the status of the crime situation? And this it was a story on Fox Six that I acknowledge caught my attention um here here's the headline gotten out of control business owners frustrated over almost daily snatch and grab thefts here's the way they report it it's you know what what snatch and grab is BDU's producing the show you know it's when you go into like a convenience store and you you know grab loaf of bread off the the thing and then you run out the door because here's the way fox six reports it it's more than just the snatch and grab of merchandise it's a massive theft of merchandise from local businesses that happens on a daily basis now shop owners are doing what they can to save their businesses they are definitely threatening definitely armed says one guy who's a business owner it's an ongoing situation that has gotten out of control the man shared his frustration in some surveillance video of thieves ransacking his family business. They're going for a large amount of items. About four or five suspects 
are seen running into the guy's gas and food station on West Hopkins, carrying bags and filling them up. Some are seen outright walking out with trays of snacks while a lookout holds the office door shut, barricading the owner inside. I watched this video, and honest to God, it, it's, it is looting. There, there's no other way you can describe it. It's, it's looting. This business is open. You have four or five people that come in. They kind of bum rush the thing. Um, one of them holds the door open while the other steals just trays of stuff. The owner says um, they, they aren't afraid. The owner, who arms himself, pleads with them to leave. The suspects make several trips, taking hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise, and load up a white truck. We'd like to see the police take affirmative action against these people, the guy says. Well, yeah, gee, surprising. You're running a business. You're running like a convenience store in the inner city. You have people coming in and essentially just helping themselves to things. Yeah, I mean, the owner shouldn't have to say, gee, we'd like the police to get involved. Guy says the crooks hit up the store several times. He's fed up with the crimes and the string of similar thefts in the area. Suspects were caught on camera stealing from a Sitco not too far away from 27th and Capitol in Milwaukee, not that far from where I'm sitting now. Guy says he hopes their faces are recognized and authorities put a stop to it. He's concerned about the safety of both employees and customers. They're getting to the point where these crimes are going to escalate. Um, police say officers conduct business checks regularly at the locations in questions, and others are there to help provide presence. Um, owners say they don't want to be driven away by their losses. Okay, but here, here's, here's what is going on. There are areas of the city of Milwaukee where it is, number one, unsafe for people to go. You know, you're talking about that area, like uh, on Capitol Drive around 27th. Remember, we had the situation where the woman goes into the convenience store, a gas station, to buy a soda. She comes out the other day. You have the teenagers that beat the crap out of her, you know, steal her purse. They're trying to get her car keys. That's all caught on, on video. And, and essentially, the, the bad guys end up getting away. Here, you apparently have a number of these business owners who are trying to run a business. And look, the margins aren't that great. You know, they're there. They're selling gas. They're they're selling the convenient stuff, and you have thieves which are coming in on apparently a regular basis and looting the place, and there's really not that much that the owners can do. And I understand, I'm, I'm not necessarily faulting the police here because there's not enough cops in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee, and there's way too much crime. But the truth of the matter is, as you hear more and more of these stories, and I, I hate to say this because it's not fair to the business owners, but, you know, anybody that would patronize these places are, almost have to be out of their minds because, again, you never know when you're going to be in that convenience store and you have five or six of these criminals that decide they're going to bum rush the place and try to steal as much as they possibly can, and you know that they are going to get away with it. Okay, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it possible for a small business to continue to operate in various areas of the city of Milwaukee that are plagued with crime? Or are we getting close to the point where you really want to say, will the last will the last legitimate taxpaying business person who leaves please turn out the light? I'm watching this story, and I admit my blood pressure is going up, and I'm becoming more and more outraged about this. You know, somebody that invests in building a business, you know, shouldn't have to and is paying their taxes and is trying to employ people, you know, shouldn't essentially 
this is it's like the mafia used to operate where you'd come and you'd have the mafia hoods that would go in and you know they would operate the extortion schemes on the various businesses well this isn't the mafia that's doing this this is the criminal element that is out of control in the city of Milwaukee and it's not fair to the community and it's not fair to the businesses but there doesn't appear to be anybody who can figure out how to make it stop is the crime in the city of Milwaukee essentially going to kill independent business 414-799-1620 my answer is i haven't seen anything that convinces me there's anything that can turn this around we discuss next if you're on the line please hold on 414-799-1620 and i understand that and i know whenever i talk about this some people get unhappy with me but the reality is this is why there are people particularly people who live outside certain of these areas who would never drive through them and would never think about patronizing businesses in the air, these areas because they're just flat unsafe and you're now seeing that from the business owners perspective okay we're back to discuss 4147991620 is a number it's 1044 It's 1047, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Brewers finish off the second leg of their West Coast road trip with a matinee in the Bay. Or by the Bay, actually. The crew takes on the Giants in San Francisco one final time. Our game day coverage cranks up at 210 this afternoon here on WTMJ. Fox 6 had a report last night about how a number of businesses in high crime areas are, are being plagued. The criminals are so brazen now that it's... It's what's happening is you you have four or five of the the criminals just bum rushing the convenience store. Um, one of them holds back the the owner. Um, others just go and they grab trays and trays of food, run out the door, load them into trucks. Apparently, this is the the pattern that's going on. The police really can't do anything about it. Why would anybody go to these businesses? Sam downtown. Sam, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Jeff. Hey, just wanted to uh, you know, state, you know, let's say all the business owners uh, move out of that location and move elsewhere. Who's to say they're not going to follow them there and and then bring crime into uh, the lower crime cities at this time? Well, because I don't think those lower crime cities would would, would tolerate it. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, I don't see. I mean, let, let's. I'm try, I was trying to think. There, there's a there's a quick trip I go to up in Sockville from time to time. I don't see people running in and, and grabbing trays and trays of food from that, that quick trip in Sockville because the authorities up there wouldn't tolerate it, um, that the cops would be there, and the judges in Ozaki County wouldn't tolerate it. I mean, I, I, I think... I mean, I think that you, you get the community you're willing to live in. And if the police aren't, if there's not enough cops to track it down, and when they catch the people, they get slapped on the wrist, I think that's part of the problem. Well, absolutely. But, you know, if they have nowhere else to go, they're going to end up merging into other counties. Well, and you're, I mean, no, thanks. And you, you are you are seeing that to an extent. The, the out-of-control crime rate, the crimes in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee is is bleeding into the suburbs. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of those stories. We're, we're seeing the, the car thefts that, that are occurring, you know, to the point that, you know, in, in communities that didn't have a crime problem, you know, now authorities are saying you've got to lock your doors. You, you can't leave your car unlocked in the driveway. Or you're seeing, okay, you, you have a carjacking outside of Piggly Wiggly in West Bend. You know, you've got the crimes that are going on in, in Washington County. You've got the crimes that are going on in Waukesha County the crimes that are going on in Ozaki County that are fueled in part by the criminal element from Milwaukee that is spreading out. 
The, the only difference, like I say, is it's treated differently in, in other counties. I mean, you go out, try to carjack an elderly woman outside of Piggly Wiggly in West Bend, and my guess is the judges in Washington County, um, they're, they're not going to hear anything of this. This isn't going to be, here, let's slap you on the wrist. Let's give you some ridiculously low bail. Let's turn you back out on the streets. I mean, I, I think... You know, that's part of the lesson that you've got this catch-and-release court system in Milwaukee County that puts dangerous criminals back on the street time after time. You're right, Sam. The crime is spreading. The, the only difference is I think it's going to be a rude awakening if those – and, of course, that doesn't help the victim. I mean, that doesn't help the, the you know, the old, the, the elderly woman who's getting carjacked, or it doesn't help the people that are getting, you know, having their, their stuff st- stolen. But it does, I mean, the macro picture is um, th- this catch and release, let's coddle the criminals, let's oh, feel sorry for, you know, the, the juveniles who've committed 30 car thefts. That, that I don't think you're going to find in some of the surrounding counties. So, um, as the criminals go out and they commit crimes, chances are they're going to be held more and more accountable. And I guess that ends up being a, a good thing. Will the crime spread? Yes, but the crime is spreading all, already. Um, it's just a matter of you know, ultimately, you know, people end up getting getting caught. But it, it's unfortunate that the city of Milwaukee has been allowed to deteriorate to that stage. And look, and I get that there's a lot of good stuff going on in the city. You know, you've got the, the new NML building. You've got this kind of resurgence downtown. But unfortunately, the resurgence downtown has occurred at the expense of out-of-control crime in other parts of the city. And um, I, I feel bad for law-abiding citizens who have to live in some of these areas who, who just can't get out. Um, but that's the that's the government that you end up getting. Okay, got to take a quick break. We've got a lot more stuff on today's program, including I want to visit the, revisit this whole Foxconn thing. If you are a Democrat and you vote for Foxconn, you are apparently a traitor. Stick around. It's 1052. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, this this is what happens in today's day and age where everybody wants to be videotaping them doing something stupid. Um, PD, do you hear the story? 18-year-old man, um, critical condition after he was struck by a train Early yesterday morning, according to the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department, uh, Adam Sanchez of Twin Lakes was with four other teenagers on the railroad tracks after midnight near 258th Court and Highway C. He was attempting to take a video of the moving train, and he was struck. So the guy is standing on the train tracks after midnight. There is a train coming at him, and um, apparently what happens is the operator, this is the way the Kenosha News says it, saw the teen on the tracks, began to slow the train down. However, the teen did not leave the tracks and was hit. He's standing on the tracks. Um, uh, None of the teens with him were injured. Train operator reportedly could see the lights from several cell phones as he approached. You have teenagers standing on the train tracks after midnight 
in front of a freight train, presumably taking a video. I mean, I, I don't. Why else would you have the? Why would you have the lights from several cell phones on? Um, Kenosha News says it takes approximately a mile for the 118-car train to come to rest as the conductor fully applied the brakes after the train hit the uh, hit the teen. Estimated weight of the train was more than 13,000 tons. So you have a bunch of idiots, and I- I'm sorry, but there's no other way I can describe it. I, I now again, you got to read into what's ha- going on here, but my sense is these are kids that have decided, let's play chicken with the train. They're standing on or near the train tracks after midnight in the path of an oncoming train, filming it, presumably. I mean, again, that's what I figure. You've got the lights on the cell phones. Filming it for what purpose, I don't know. I don't know if this was this game to see, you know, who could stay on the train track the longest. I, I, have, no, I have no idea. But midnight... Playing a game with a freight train, I think, I mean, to me, this sounds like, again, one of these, here, let's get this kind of video out so we can, you know, post this on YouTube or whatever. And in this case, one of the kids gets hit by the moving train and is in critical condition. I think, again, maybe something more than this was going on, but my guess is it's exactly what I just said. There's people trying to get the, the video. Here, let's show us, you know, doing stupid, dangerous things, and then we can put it up on the Internet. Well, now the one guy is in criminal, is in critical condition. Yeah, he, he got his five minutes or his 15 minutes of fame, but at what cost? I mean, seriously, this this is what we now do nowadays. We stand in the way of oncoming trains just so we can get a video. It's 1059. When we come back, if you're a Democrat and you're in favor of Foxconn, some of your fellow Democrats think you're a traitor. Stick around. It's 1108. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. With each day that passes, the Foxconn deal becomes closer to being a reality. And here, here is just the political reality of this. The Foxconn deal is going to pass. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know for sure that it's going to be in the exact form that was voted on by the Assembly. Um, my guess is there will be some tweaks that will be done. Presumably it might make it a little bit better. But, but in, in a form that is close to what came through the Assembly, it is going to be passed and it's going to be signed by the governor and it's going to be done um, by the end of next month, maybe even before the end of next month. And that is because there is broad Republican support for Foxconn. And Republicans have an overwhelming majority in the state Senate and the state assembly. All right. Um, at the same time, jobs are, are jobs. And you would think that something that is good business and good for communities and good for a particular area should perhaps be above politics, regardless of whether it's a Republican or a Democrat who is proposing it. But that's not how this thing has played out. After the Foxconn deal was announced, it took about 24 to 48 hours before a lot of people, particularly in the left, realized that if this happens... Scott Walker is going to get credit for this, and it's moving into a re-election year. And, oh, my gosh, you know, he's going to have brought this huge transformative business to Wisconsin. Uh, we, we can't let Walker have any credit for it. And at that point in time, you had a lot of people on the left, a lot of the Democrats, who would have eagerly 
supported something like this if it were, for example, Jim Doyle that was the governor that had done this. Now, all of a sudden, it became corporate welfare, and this is terrible, et cetera, et cetera. When the assembly voted on this, there were two Republicans who voted against it, and all Democrats in the assembly who voted, with the exception of three, voted for it. Now, the three Democrats who voted for it were Assembly Minority Leader Peter Barca, who represents Kenosha, um, State Representative Corey Mason of Racine, who is um, running to be the mayor of Racine, and a guy named Ted Onstead, also of Kenosha. And they joined 56 Republicans in voting for this. So, you know, why did the three Democrats vote for Foxconn? Well, you, you don't have to be... You know, too much of a political science to rec- scientist to recognize this. Foxconn is going to be located in either, you know, Racine or Kenosha County. So these Democrats represent areas where there are jobs. This is going to be jobs for their district. And I'm willing to bet that you have people who are sitting around their kitchen tables in Kenosha and Racine who either maybe are looking for work or looking for a better job. And, you know, they're looking at this saying, well, who cares whether it's Jim Doyle or Scott Walker or Tommy Thompson or whoever or Tony Earle? I mean, these are jobs. So, you know, you had these three Democrats who apparently had the audacity to break ranks with the conventional groupthink that comes from the left in Madison, and they actually, heaven forbid, voted, you know, in the interest of their constituents. Now, since that's happened, there's been a number of other reports that are coming out. Um, interestingly enough, there's some new studies out that suggest that what's going to actually happen is that they say Foxconn could return nearly $4 for every dollar in state subsidy. And what this study is, it's it's actually broader than some previous ones which were done and says that you, you can't just look at Foxconn. What you have to do is you have to look at the ripple effect from additional jobs that are going to be created. Um, and they estimate maybe 19, beyond Foxconn's potential for 13,000 jobs, they're saying now that there might be an additional somewhere between 19 to 26,000 jobs um, through growth from the company's suppliers and other businesses in the region. And, of course, that that's the only honest way to look at this. You, it's not just Foxconn, and we've talked about this before. It's going to be all the other businesses that locate close to to be near to Foxconn, the people that are supplying it. On top of that, one of the things that gets lost in the discussion is the fact that Foxconn is coming to the table with 10 B as in billion dollars that they are going to be spending up front to construct the plant, to construct the, the facility. And, you know, some estimates say that they, they might even begin manufacturing, you know, within a year or so if this, uh, not that they're going to have 13,000 people within a year, but they might be able to begin within a year. But they're bringing 10 B as in billion dollars into building the facility. All right. Now, that's going to be spent maybe six or seven billion on Wisconsin businesses. They're going to hire Wisconsin contractors to to build the stuff. They're going to hire Wisconsin contractors to supply the lumber or or whatever. I mean, it's $10 billion. So 
and that's going to be spent in southeastern Wisconsin. Now, what I found to be particularly interesting about the vote in the assembly is, like I say, you had three Democrats from Racine and Kenosha who recognized that, well, we know Scott Walker is going to get some credit for this, but the, the point is, well, it's really going to be good for the state, and it's going to be jobs in our area, and we can't say no. Interestingly, not a single Democrat from Milwaukee County, and that would include all the Democrats who represent the city of Milwaukee, voted for this, even though, you know, you're talking about, you know, very economically depressed area that, you know, you're going to have arguably 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35,000 jobs created potentially in that area, jobs which could, in some cases, be filled from people who are out of work in the city of Milwaukee. But not one single Milwaukee Democrat decided to support this in the assembly. So here's the latest story that's out there. The Associated Press is reporting it. Um, Peter Barca, who is the Democratic Assembly leader, was branded, this is the way they report it, he was branded as failing on all accounts by a fellow Democrat who was incredibly frustrated and concerned with his actions when he voted for the Foxconn package. Emails obtained by the Associated Press show that a Democratic state representative, Lisa Subek of Madison, spelled out her grievances to Barca on Friday, the day after the assembly passed the incentive package backed by Republicans. Um, apparently, um, this is, again, lefty assembly person from Madison. Um, Democrats were outspoken in their opposition to the measure, branding it as corporate welfare giveaway, um, said it puts the environment in jeopardy, all those different types of things. Subek, in an email sent to all assembly Democrats, assigned, obtained by the AP, accused Barca of failing on all accounts to differentiate his views on Foxconn with the rest of the Democrats who voted against the measure. She was particularly upset with Barca for holding an impromptu news conference on these in the assembly parlor right around the corner from his office i am also concerned with the message you conveyed she wrote it seems you were trying to justify your own vote rather than share the caucus perspective consistent with our agreed upon message that is the operative term consistent with our agreed upon message so peter barca is getting all sorts of static from one of these madison backbenchers because he he had the audacity, he had the audacity to vote for a project that was going to be good for his constituents instead of merely towing the party line. Our number, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I think it is nothing short of appalling that no Milwaukee area Democrats we're willing to do what Barca and a couple of other people did, and that is recognize that this has the potential to be outstanding for their constituents. And they decided to put, well, the interests of towing the party line ahead of the interests of their constituents. To me, this is everything that is wrong with politics nowadays, and it is exhibited in what you're seeing on the Foxconn vote. How can, seriously, if you represent Milwaukee County, if you represent the city of Milwaukee, if you represent an area that desperately needs jobs, how could you be voting against Foxconn? 
414-799-1620. It is disgraceful. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please are on. It's 1117. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1120, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. Um, it, it's fascinating to me that th- this is the way politics has evolved. Um, the idea, and so for people who say, I vote the person, I, I don't vote the party, that's nuts. Be- because that's not the way it works. Because in politics nowadays, it's not the person, it's the party. Because the people, the individuals, they, they vote the party line, and if they don't vote the party line, they are called to account for it, even if voting the party line were to get in the way of what's in the interest of their constituents. This Foxconn situation is a classic example of it. It's going to pass, but you have a handful of Democratic state representatives from Kenosha and Racine. These, this is going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs for their district. So despite the fact that the Democrats, particularly based out of Madison, have decided we have to oppose this in large measure, in my opinion, they're opposing it because we don't want Scott Walker to get credit for this. This is If it was Jim Doyle, I guarantee you everybody who's voting no would be turning cartwheels saying, oh, this is so great. And again, any Democratic governor. I picked Doyle only because he was the last Democratic governor. Governor, But if this was a Democrat governor, the same people who are now voting no because they don't want Scott Walker to get credit for this, they would be turning cartwheels saying, look, we've got job development. This is going to be tens of thousands of good jobs. But because of Walker and Walker derangement syndrome, you, you cannot support that. So when you have these handful of Assembly Democrats who decide, hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to toe the party line here. I'm going to vote in the interest of my constituents. They are called out by some of these left-wing backbenchers out of, of Madison. What I think is even more appalling, though, is that you have, and, and this is a profile and courage moment, you have some of these backbencher Milwaukee Democrats for whom Foxconn could be, for their constituents, Foxconn could be a game changer. And instead of simply coming out in front and saying, hey, we think Foxconn is great, and now what we need to do, but we want to see if we can figure out a way as part of the package, is there something we can do, for example, to make it easier for some of our constituents to, to get to Racine or Kenosha County, is there something that we could put in the package, maybe more bus lines, whatever it might be, to help, you know, get our folks, get them from, you know, a depressed urban area in Milwaukee and get them to the jobs that are going to be created either at Foxconn or in the spinoff companies. That would be something that would be responsible. If we had people that really cared about their constituents, that's what they would be advocating for. But they don't care about their constituents. They they don't. They care about towing the party line. They care about, well, we've decided that we're going to oppose this because this is what our group thinks. So now, you know, screw over our constituents. Who cares about the jobs? I mean, my God, when when I heard this, this... first thing I thought of was if you really had some people who represented Milwaukee County 
and who understood, hey, this is this opportunity here. I really want to figure out how we can get my constituents. This could this could create huge job opportunities. And to his credit, and I'm, I'm sure he perhaps had to you know bite his tongue from occasion. You know, Tom Barrett recognized this. Tom Barrett has been a proponent from the beginning, and Tom Barrett recognizes what it could mean at least indirectly for the city of Milwaukee. Unfortunately, his Democrat contemporaries in the Assembly have again, once again, decided to sell out, and yes, I say sell out, the interest of their constituents in order to, again, toe the party line. Kevin and Cudahy texts, I hope the Democrats run a full-throat anti-Foxconn strategy in 2018. Sounds like a winning platform to me. Then he writes, um, sarcasm alert. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there is, you know, that element there. Um, yeah, you've got all these different things. Um, let's see another one of our texts. Not sure the Democrats want the game change. Does Pendant sustain his power? Well, you know, that's, um, you know, I guess that's always the potential that, that's out there. You know, here, why do we want people to better themselves? Do we really want people to get jobs? Because then, you know, maybe they're not going to be as dependent on government. I would hope that that's not the case. But um, there's that. Uh, Paul says, uh, maybe Barca needs to switch parties now. Well, I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to happen. But I do think this is one of these interesting stories about, again, the group think that goes there. And, and just be, be aware that when you hear, I, I'm voting for the person, not the party, you're not. Because the person, with rare exceptions, is going to vote the party line. And you certainly saw that to a man and a woman when it came to the party line vote for Foxconn. Milwaukee Democrats refusing to do the right thing, refusing to vote for their constituents' issue uh, interests, and instead deciding you know, they're going to stand up and... They're going to tow the party line. Um, very, very unfortunate. It's 1126. This is Jeff Wagner. Hey, when we come back, I want to completely switch gears. Um, and if, if you're a dog owner, got an interesting and perhaps provocative question for you. Uh, stick around. It's 1128 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ you know we were talking about you know Walker derangement syndrome that just that this you know just abnormal hatred of, of Scott Walker that okay causes people to act out in irrational ways against their self-interest like gee you know we're we're going to oppose thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs and 10 billion dollars in economic development immediately in Wisconsin because we don't want Scott Walker to get credit for it and if that screws over our constituents you know, let, let's do that. Um, you know, uh, on the national level, you're seeing, you know, Walker derangement syndrome play out in Trump derangement syndrome as well. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that um, there are stylistic, there are aspects of the president that I am not a fan of necessarily. But at the same time, I, I really, I'm amazed at some of the over-the-top stuff. I said after his rally in um, Arizona yesterday, I was watching CNN. They bring in CNN contributor James Clapper, who's the former director of national intelligence, and he's a Trump hater, just an absolute Trump hater. Um, the guy, here's what he says. I really question his ability, his fitness to be in office. Um, I, I, I think maybe he's even looking for a way out of the, the presidency. 
Um, in other words, the idea is he's unfit, he's mentally unstable, and, and I think I think he's trying to find a way out. I think he's trying to be, this is what the guy's implying on TV, I think he's so irrational and so crazy that he's actually, he, he knows it, and he's trying to find a way, presumably, to, to have himself removed under the 25th Amendment. That's what this guy is implying. Well, I, again, I, I understand that people can be unhappy with President Trump, and you can find his style to be off-putting, and maybe you wish you didn't vote for him, or maybe you wish that Hillary won, or any of those things. But um, having some guy come on seriously, and of course this is getting a lot of attention today, and say, I, I, I think he, he's essentially trying to torpedo him himself, um, makes you wonder... Just, I mean, what do you have to do to be a pundit to get on CNN these days? Just saying. Okay, coming up in just a couple minutes, a controversy involving Fido. Stick around. It's 11.36, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's switch gears. We spent a lot of time today on... Crime stuff and strange political things, and let's just kind of switch gears, lighten it up just a tad. Um, I I came across this story. It was actually in USA Today. There, there's a huge debate, dispute going on in Ohio, of, of all places and of all things. And I I understand that you know we, we've got major you know international issues and national issues, and but th- this one is dogs on restaurant patios in Ohio. There is a state law that bans dogs from restaurant patios. And it's the story about a a guy who has a couple dogs and he wants to be able to bring his dogs to, you know, these these outside restaurant patios if the restaurants would allow them. And there's still this ongoing debate. And he, Ohio, is not the only state that has this rule. So as a dog owner and as Somebody who's kind of like curious about this. I, I was curious about the, the law in Wisconsin. And, and here's, at least according to the Wisconsin Restaurant Association, the, the state food code says that animals are prohibited on food establishment presence, premises with the exception of service animals. So that this doesn't apply to the service animals. This applies to, uh, again, pets like mine. Uh, the Department of Health Services has recently set up guidelines to allow dogs that are accompanied and controlled by their owner in outside seating areas of food establishments. So this would be on on the patio. And there's there's different requirements that have to be met. You have to the proprietor has to ask for a variance. And I mean it applies only to dogs, so you can't bring your like pot bellied pig or anything like that. It's only the outside areas of a restaurant and you have to be able to get to the patio from the outside. So you can't walk the dog through the restaurant in order to get to the patio. You have to have access from the outside. So you need the separate entrance. Then there's no no food preparation in the area. Um, customer uh, reusable uh, utensils can't be stored in the outdoor area, presumably to stop Fido from going up and, and licking them or whatever. Um uh, employees are prohibited from having direct contact with the pets while on duty. So employees aren't allowed to go up and say, oh, she's so cute. Let me pet her. Pets not allowed on chair seats, benches, and tables. Um, and if if the animal decides to um, do its business 
Yeah, this is the way it says. In cases where excrement or other bodily fluids are deposited, an employee shall immediately clean and sanitize the affected area. Okay, well, which which kind of makes sense, you know, if the dog pees on you know, there. But but under those regulations, the dog can the dog can be outside, and you can take your dog and you can sit outside with the dog. All right, I was actually discussing this with somebody the the other day, and um, I. For a variety of reasons, I would not take my dog to an outdoor dining area. I, I just I, I wouldn't for a variety of reasons. But at the same time, I was talking to an acquaintance of mine uh, about this, and they were trying to take it out of the realm of, of my dog. And they say, "Why would we appalled at that? I would never eat at a restaurant where there was a pet. That in this case, it, it's a dog because it can only be dogs. I would never eat at a restaurant where the dog." you know, is allowed to be, you know, outside in that area. I don't want a dog around where I am eating. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's tee this up. I am, now again, I don't think restaurants should have to open up their patios to dogs if they don't want to. I think that's a, a business choice. But I think the idea, I personally have no problem with a, a animal, pet, dog-friendly patio, as long as you, again, follow these different rules that you have to follow. And I, for one, even though I probably wouldn't bring my dog to one of these, I wouldn't have any, I don't have any trouble at all. Matter of fact, I go to places, sit out on the patio, and people bring their dogs, and what they typically do is the dogs kind of lay at people's feet. They don't cause problems. I don't have a problem going at all. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dog-free patios in Wisconsin. You know, you can have dogs. Would that stop you from going? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Lightening it up a little for this segment. It's 1140. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1143, Jeff Wechner, 620 WTMJ. People are in the spirit of this topic. Trevor Davis electrified fans in game one, but fumbled his opportunities in the second contest. So what holds more weight in roster decisions, a fumble or a touchdown? Greg Matzik opens the debate on Sports Central at 7.07. Okay, here, here's the story. There's a guy in Ohio who is trying to push to have the state law change to allow dogs to... Um, be if the restaurant owner wants it to allow dogs to be on patios in in Wisconsin um in general food service rules say no animals nearby there the health department the health and human health services say okay there is exceptions dogs can be on restaurant patios if the owners want them to be but there's different requirements that you have to have regarding no food preparation um you have to have a separate entrance you can't walk the dog through the restaurant it only applies to dogs all right, would, would you – I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said that they, they don't want to go any place where, you know, you, you've got dogs, even in these outdoor areas. I would not take my dog for a variety of reasons. But having said that, um, I, don't, I don't think I have an issue. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mark in Madison. Mark, you're first. Hey, how are we doing today? Real well, thank you. Okay, dogs on patios. All the time. I have a St. Bernard, and I take her with me everywhere I go. A St. Bernard, wow. Never, I, never had a problem with it. People actually come up just to pet the dog. It makes people stay brighter, I think. Well, I I, I would imagine you got a big old St. Bernard. And, and when you, is it a he or a she? 
It's a she. Okay, so when when you get there, you're sitting at the outdoor patio. You order lunch or whatever. What does she just kind of like lie down at your feet? Is that how it works? Yeah, pretty much. She'll just curl up under the table in the shade. A lot of times, they'll actually bring out a bowl of water for her. Right. Uh, a right. couple with water in it. And every now and then, I got to walk her back and forth on the patio so she knows nothing's going on that she's missing. You know, because she's <laughs> excited. But right. I've never had anybody say anything or ask me to move or anything like that. Right. And so the general reaction you get, and I imagine if it's a pretty dog, you know, Saint Bernard, people do. People who want to come up and pet her or whatever. Okay, good enough. Thanks to call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Brian in Wyoming. Brian, you're on six twenty WTMJ. I can see that last caller's point, but no way, no, no. dogs in the restaurants. I mean, oh, okay, this I isn't got, in the restaurant. This is on the patio. Uh, well, I okay. know on the patio. Okay. whatever. But, but you know, I got two dogs. I put, I still put the gate up so they can't get in the kitchen where we're eating dinner. Right. Uh, I, I just don't want those dogs looking at me. Or, <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's just like when people bring their kids to the restaurant. You know, they all think their kids are saints. <laughs> They're gonna okay. think their dogs are saints. I, don't, I okay. disagree. I go to a restaurant to go and get a good meal. And I just don't want the distractions. I just want a good meal, and I do oh. love going on patio on the patio. Oh, okay, so when when you say when you say you don't want the distraction, you're not worried that the dog's going to create a problem. You're just kind of worried what that the dog's going to be looking at you, going, "Hey, feed me, feed me," something like that. Well, you know that <laughs> that drives me nuts when dogs beg. But you know they're going to be whimpering, or there's going to be commotion going around. You know, I just. Like to relax. I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> okay. All right. No. No. Thank, thanks for call. No. Well, I mean, and that's. I, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think of explaining why I wouldn't take Sasha. She's she's very little, and I mean, she does she she does bark at other dogs, and I wouldn't want to disturb. Uh, she doesn't bark at people, but she barks at other dogs for some reason, and I, um, and, and she's just. She just a little. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't take her out in that that setting. But at the same time, I mean, I'm thinking. I mean, I, like I say, I go patio dining all the time, and I, I mean, my experience has been largely like our first callers. The Mark experience. I mean, most most dogs they they take there. They're well trained. They lay down at their owner's feet, and I, I've never seen a problem. I guess I'm not from a health perspective. I, I've, I'm not that concerned with it. I mean, obviously, you don't want the dogs licking the plates and wandering around begging food from people, and you expect the pet owners to keep them under control. But I've, I've never had a problem. Actually, I think it kind of contributes as somebody who admittedly likes dogs. I, I've, I've never had it. I think it kind of enhances the dining experience. Molly in Oconomowoc. Molly, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. We have three dogs. I train for a living. And as a trainer, I can tell you that not everybody's really objective about their dog's right. skills and <laughs> sure. behaviors. Sure. Um, however, I will say, personally speaking, we live out in Lake Country. There's a couple places that do allow dogs on patios. Two of our three dogs are Bassett. Um, they're therapy dogs, and so they're super well-behaved and really well-socialized. So when we go out, we do like to relax. And with those two dogs with us, we can relax because I can pretty much predict their behavior no matter who walks by, what dog walks by, right, right. what car is making noise. Right, right. So, you know, I do think um, that maybe um, something that restaurants could do would maybe just to put something on the table that says, in a very positive way, of course, you know, we love having your dog here. Um, let's make the dining experience pleasurable for everybody by following these simple guidelines sure. right, and making yeah. it all in the positive. Right, and, and have to, right, obviously you have to control your dog. Would you be... Would you be hesitant to go to a restaurant that allowed other people to bring their dogs there? 
Um, what do you mean? Well, I mean, okay, Sorry. so so no, let's say there, there's a restaurant. You're not taking your dogs, but they but right. it's other people's dogs that are there. Would you have a problem going to oh. a patio? I would probably go up and strike up a conversation okay. and end up buying a person a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, right? Thank, no, because you're all dog love. Thanks for. I mean, right? There is this. There is this community. Uh, I mean, I I found this. You know, as somebody who's now, you know, the last couple of years. I mean, I grew up with dogs, but you know, most of my adult life didn't have one. I I there is now this community uh, of those of us who are uh, dog owners. Deb and Rippin. Hi, Deb. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, I worked as a waitress for a couple of summers while I was in college. And so the problem I have with it is the fact that if the dog does his thing, uh, that the employee is expected to clean it up and sanitize the spot. Right. Well, I think the reason for that is that the concern is that if you let the dog owner do that, they might not do it right. And so, you know, the next person that comes... um, I, I think that's why they, they have that, that the employee. But you don't like picking up after somebody else's dog and when they do their business, huh? No, and I mean, I'm supposed to be handling food and stuff, too. And, you know, I can go wash my hands and stuff, but still might I miss a spot that would be on my wrist or, you know, right. bacteria and and how it might sure. move around or be on <laughs> somewhere else that I didn't realize. And so I don't think food handlers should be touching that. Uh, right, which is why it's interesting that that is the requirement because one of the rules it also is that if you're one of the employees, you're not allowed to touch the dog. I mean, you're not supposed to go up and pet it yep. and go out because of exactly that reason, you know, you don't, you know, you're going to be handling food and you're petting the dog. Thanks for I, I guess I've never, I, I'm sure this happens, and I'm sure if I took enough phone calls, you know, somebody would have the story of, yeah, I was sitting out on the patio or whatever, and there was this person who had the dog that's done its business. I've never seen that scenario um, play out. Uh, let's see. Um, here's uh, Carolyn Bayview. People nowadays have pets, not kids. I took our dog to a place in Door County. They provided a blanket for her. I love pets as well as children, and I spoil both of them. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah there's, uh, there is that issue. Okay, Jeff text. I'm probably being a dog racist. Well, I don't know if it's dog racist, but, but I would not eat at a restaurant that had open-door patio policies for pit bulls, Rottweilers, and probably even German shepherds. Well, I mean, again, I, I think a lot of it depends on the particular dog. If you've got a dog that... Um, Huh, that's an interesting question. If you're a longtime listener, you know that you know how I feel about pit bulls. Um, and I, I wonder if I was suddenly sitting at a restaurant and all of a sudden there was a pit bull growling at me next door. I wonder how I would react to that. Let's talk to Lynn in Milton. Hi, Lynn. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Uh, I am a pet nanny, and with that said, I love dogs more than most people. Um, <laughs> I have a You giant... mean you love dogs more than you love most people, <laughs> as opposed that to, is... you got it, okay, got it, okay. That's why I'm a pet nanny, yep. and uh, with that said, I have a great Pyrenees, she's a giant breed, um, she's very docile, she would, when we eat, she lays at my feet, she would never beg for food, she's not fed table scraps from the table. Right. And I think as a restaurant owner, it might create a really nice venue and a nice ambience for us people that do love dogs and strike up conversations with other guests. Oh, yeah. And as far as the food 
uh, sanitation goes, the dogs aren't even entering the restaurant. They're on an outdoor patio, and it's going to be an outside leisure kind of restaurant. You're not going to you're not going to take your dog to the Lake Park Bistro or someplace like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, you wouldn't think. No, thanks, Nicole. You you wouldn't think. I mean, like Harbor House. I was just down there a week or two ago, right by the light. Has this wonderful like outdoor you know area you can dine at the bar. Um, I I doubt that I doubt that they allow dogs out there. Could be wrong on that, but I haven't seen dogs there. But I I guess I I just to me this is another one where um, I I think candidly I I think that I mean this is something I think that as long as the restaurant tour the owner is is willing to follow these different rules that they have I don't have any problem with it and I as somebody who eats out a lot I, I've never had an issue with outdoor dining so something to think about.